welcome to another episode of Three Men and a War Game. I'm Paul, and I'm anxiously awaiting Star Wars. Uh, I'm Kevin, and I'm always anxiously awaiting something Star Wars. Yeah, and uh, Chris isn't with us for this one. Um, no. So we'll catch back up with him next time. We will. We are just doing a quick episode this time. Uh Going over a subject, uh, basically because I am now post-demo and post-playing and post-purchasing the starter kit for Warcry. Yeah, he's like in. I mean, I'm as in as a person can be by purchasing the starter kit and then immediately starting to paint the terrain. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, that's pretty in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not as crazy as this one gentleman that I saw at the store that was purchasing the starter kit and all of the other warbands. He had all four okay, warbands. Okay, that's, that's that's a little insane. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Was, uh, had, had he played it, or was he just jumping in at that? Point? He he had played it. Yeah, he had played okay. it, and was and was very impressed to the level that I think I am. Well, maybe not the level that I'm impressed. Maybe a little more than me, but impressed nonetheless. Yeah, I was going to say, if you bought everything already, that's yeah. pretty darn impressed. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And so should we uh, should we jump impressed. into it? Because I think what you're primarily interested in is the last time we talked about Warcry, all of us were kind of at a meh. Yeah, exactly. And we all and we all talked ourselves into more of a meh. Yeah, we, we certainly did. Um, and through playing the game, I've, uh, I don't know that I'll be able to change your mind in this conversation, but I think I'll at least be able to make you more curious, uh, give the listeners a little bit more of, uh, uh, insights into how the game feels to play rather than like theorizing about the game. Since we actually know all of the rules now, like we didn't even know all the rules the last time we talked, right? It was just speculating on on specific things that had been published and not and, and v- people reacting to the game, not actually having the rule book in front of us ourselves. Right, and I really want to hear what what about the game swung you back around. Okay, so I can actually put that really simply, and then we'll get into the meat of it because it's it's pretty multi-factored actually. Um, but the the simple fact of the matter is that this is an extremely tightly and clearly written game that does exactly what it's setting out to do. So this game doesn't pretend to be anything that it's not. And what it, what it strives to be, it strives to be very well or very good. It does very, a very, very good job at being what it wants to be. And what it wants to be is a skirmish level game that plays in less than half an hour, gives you, gives you, crunch some crunchy tactical choices and also lets you roll dice and you know go the, th- the thing we like about wargaming like having the winds of chance and the funny storytelling uh and just laughing i think it's it's the most beer and pretzels skirmish game you could ask for so if you want a beer and skirmish pretzel or a beer and or a beer and skirmish <laughs> beer and pretzels <laughs> skirmish game i don't think you can do better than war cry that's where i'll start okay that's where i'll start my argument okay um, and it, it starts right at the beginning of the game. So the first thing, and, and you know, I want to say the things that are going to turn people off as well as because I think some, some people will be turned off, but I think some other people will really like this. And I, I want to start with just how you set the game up. So the first part of the game is a series of card flips that define essentially four major factors in the game. 
So it's going to factor uh, essentially how you lay out your terrain. So you basically, you pick your terrain set and you have a deck and then you flip a card and that shows you exactly how to arrange the terrain on the battlefield, all right? Then you flip mm -hmm. deployment. So this tells you where your three battle groups that you have to organize into are going to deploy and when they're going to deploy during the game. Then you flip the twist and the victory condition. So the victory condition is what you're trying to achieve and the twist is uh, something zany that's happening in the background. It could be that chaos monsters have spawned and those are gonna be extra activations on the board. It could be that uh, line of sight is reduced significantly, so making attacks is a little bit more challenging. Uh, it could also be that you need to, or that, uh, there's a corn blessing the battlefield and you'll have more attacks and do and attack at higher strength. Those kinds of things are the twists. And so right here at this, at this decision, it's really, it's really critical because one of the, the first things you do is you organize your force into your dagger, your shield and your hammer. And you don't necessarily know when you deploy, where those guys are actually going to be. Like, you don't know where your shield is going to be, you don't know where your hammer is going to be, and you don't know where your dagger is going to be. And those can show up at different times. Like, there are some cards where they all show up in round one at different sections of the board. But more often than not, one or two groups comes in on the first turn, and then one or two groups comes in on the second turn, and sometimes one group comes on the third group, the third, the third round, right? So sometimes you have two in the first round, one in the second. Sometimes you have one in the first, one in the second, one in the third. Sometimes you have two in the first, one in the second, two in the one in the first, two in the second. You get the idea, right? Um, and this right away gives you a really interesting tactical choice because you don't want to uh, like you don't want to start the game with just one miniature on the table, especially if you don't know that the victory condition might be something like holding a specific objective, or it might be assassinating a leader. And if you put your leader in by himself into a group and your opponent's group happens to have four guys, you might just be running for that first round. So it really like sets up this dynamism right off the start of the game. Okay. Um, and that, all on its own is really exciting to me. Like looking at my crew, looking at what, you know, what my opponent brought, like what faction did my opponent bring? How do I organize these three groups and then seeing where they deploy? Because again, Paul, it's, it's not like even they all have set deployment zones, right? Like one of the deployment zones is like centered and then eight inches from the center of the board is a pretty common one. Sometimes it's one of the long edges. Sometimes it's one of the short edges. Sometimes it's an eight inch section of one of those edges. And then what you do is you basically can deploy three inches from that zone so it might end up that at the start of the game you guys you you know what the three deployment zones are going to be or your your three deployment zones are going to be and then you and your opponent have to place the victory uh like the the objectives and so now you're like oh god how do i you know wh what's the best places for me to set the objectives so that i can best use the deployment uh, and this is especially crazy if you're playing things where you need to assassinate a leader because maybe your opponent got lucky and his his leader's coming in on the third turn, but you know where his opponent where his leader's going to be coming in. So for those first two rounds of the game, you're trying to force your guys over to that other side of the table. And again, it creates these 
because you don't necessarily know where all your guys are going to be when you're picking these groups, it creates these amazing scenarios where you just have to sort of think on your feet and do the best that you can in the time allotted. Right. Now that, right. that leads me to the next point, which is that this game is punchy and fast, man. Like there's only four things really you can do on your turn, right? You can move, you can, you can, uh, uh, you can move, you can wait, you can attack. Um, and, and that's really, oh, and you can retreat. And those are your four main actions. So, uh, you're really going to be doing a lot of, you know, move, 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 like attack, attack, move, attack, attack, retreat, those kinds of things. And, and it doesn't sound that tactical until you're actually playing the game and realizing like, oh, if I start an engagement and I attack this guy and then disengage rather than attacking and attacking, that makes it so that if my opponent wants to repost, he's going to have to use a movement action to come in on me. Um, and it, it can set up these things that you don't realize are, are super tactical. And then on top of that, there's also the initiative role, which is, I think, the main innovation that this game brings. And, and I say that I guess innovation isn't the, the main new sort of mechanic that this game brings in. And how it works is at the start, at the top of every turn, you roll six dice. And then in those six dice, you're looking for combinations. You're looking for doubles, triples, and quads. So dice that roll with the same with the same number right so in pairs triples and quads and also you're looking for dice faces that don't match any others and then the person and those are called singles and the person with the most singles is going to have priority for the turn and they're going to get the first activation but you use those doubles triples and quads to power your special abilities and every faction in the game has a unique set of these abilities and then every model has specific symbols that coordinate with those abilities so certain models can use the abilities others can't like some crews you might only have one model that can use a specific ability but in general all of there there's a set of generics and then in the ones that are specific to your crew everybody can use the quads and everybody can use everybody can use a quad and everybody can use a double and then outside of that it's basically restricted to specific unit types right which is going to help you in your list building. But the cool thing is like this resource is agonizing to use because you want, if, if you end up with a triple, very often you want to do multiple things with that triple. The same with the doubles, right? And, and as you know, there's only six dice, so there's not really that many combinations, right? You get three triples uh, or two triples, three doubles, a, you know, a quad and a double. And then there's also wild dice that you can put in. But in general, you don't get a lot of these special abilities uh, every turn. So if you're activating, you know, nine models and you only have one to two to possibly three chances to use these abilities, you have to think really critically about when you're going to use them. And the decisions are hard, right? Because you might have, you might be playing the untamed beasts who have a unit, basically a model with a giant spear. And he has a triple that allows you to essentially throw that spear at an opponent and then pull him toward you uh, a certain distance. And that can be really effective because there can be, there's an objective, for example, the assassinate one, right? Where you're actually trying to take down your opponent's leader. But the thing is right. after turn, after turn three, um, you win. I mean, you win any time that you've uh, assassinated the leader. But after turn three, if the leader ends within six inches of a board edge, you win. And then if he survives four rounds, they win. 
So you might be using that spearman and trying to cleverly position that spearman so that he can pull the enemy leader out of position to be at a board edge, right? Like that's just like one sort of scenario that can pop up. Or you can pull someone off a ledge and force them to take falling damage. But all, you know, also you might want to use that triple for another unit's whirlwind attack where you can hit multiple units to plank damage off of them. So again, you have to be really judicious about when you use these abilities. And it really creates, uh, I think, because the turns go so fast, right? Like I would say activations this game are as, like, faster than almost any other skirmish game I've ever played. Like in general, the games that I've played have been like, like watching chess players playing chess on a chess clock. Like I just, you know, you sort of are thinking ahead and you, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. And you usually can make your moves pretty quick. And because you have these really fast activations, um, again, it, it makes you be very careful when you use those abilities and uh, try to time them exactly right to throw your opponent off. Um, I, I don't know. It's very, very, very cool. Um, and it, when you're actually piloting the models, it is much chunkier than you think. And, and the comparison that I've been making is like if you've watched a Let's Play, for example, of A Song of Ice and Fire, it looks like a lot of models meeting in the center of the board and then fighting. Like it, it doesn't look like there's a lot of tactical stuff going on, but any person who's played Ice of Fire is going, whoa, 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 that's not at all what that game feels like to play. Um, right. And I think Warcry, and I'm not saying Warcry is as deep as the Song of Ice and Fire because it is decidedly not. Uh, but, <laughs> but it is, it does offer a lot more depth than it appears when you first look at it. Okay. And so I've talked a lot, Paul. Do you have any insights, questions? Uh, so in, in all honesty, the thing that interests me the most is the card flipping at the beginning of the game. That's the most intriguing uh, part? Yeah, I think that's the, the thing that would get me most interested in and most excited, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, just because just because it does allow for, for all of that variety. And maybe one of the things that I'm thinking now as I'm looking at that is that if I like that, um, you know, there's the possibility that, you know, if the game's short and, you know, it's not an amazing game, but perhaps just being able to dabble with with some of those uh card flips and see some of the variety that might be a way to keep it interesting and be intrigued by the game in general yeah so here's the thing that i'll, I'll say and and uh howard if you're listening i'm sorry because uh, <laughs> i'm gonna I'm, my buddy howard we play a lot of miniatures games together and howard suffers from analysis paralysis um and, and I think he would admit that he suffers from analysis paralysis and it can take a long time to play a game because he likes to carefully consider his moves and what he does. And, and to his credit, he beats me almost every time we play a game. So it's to his benefit to, to take a long time to analyze. But a thing that I'll say about Warcry is we set up, we pulled out terrain. He, okay. He came to, to our game store while I was mid painting a Malifaux mini. Like I was sitting in the, in the, in the, uh, at a table painting a Malifaux miniature when it came in because I showed up really early for game night. We got my terrain set up. We played a game and we finished the game before Malifaux started. I wasn't there hours early. I was just there early. So we were able to completely set up, 
can like pick crews, deploy, flip the cards, play all the rounds, determine a winner, not packing up early, like legit finishing in time to play Malifo at start time at 630. And that's with a player who, who has AP, right? Who really likes to consider and take long turns. So if you want to talk about a game where it's, it, it, I think that the fun thing about this game is you flip those four cards, you figure out what's going to happen. And I got to be honest, like when we flipped the four cards in that game, I was like, oof, it's going to be really hard for me to win this game. Cause the flip didn't, didn't a, the deployments weren't good for me. Uh, how it came out and be the objective wasn't great for me com- combined, but you know, it was like play to three rounds and these are the victory conditions. And I was like, well, I'm just going to try my damnedest and I'll see what I can do. And the victory condition was essentially to get steal a treasure chest from one of his VIP units. And I got to within two hit points of forcing him to drop it in the three rounds, even though I thought I had no chance at the beginning. And right. again, the game took under an hour to finish. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a I think that is a a selling point for it. To be honest with you, yeah, it's um, it's it's really really interesting. And here's okay, so here's another thing. I am so I am fully confident that you could take this game to any war gamer, like anybody who's ever played a miniatures war game. You could put this game in front of them and define the basic concepts and have them up and running. Uh, I I shit you not in ten minutes, and I mean and, and I mean ten in ten minutes they probably won't even need to ask you any questions. Like they'll you'll just be able to explain the game to them from ten minutes and then walk away and they'll be able to play on your set. Um, I think that speaks volumes too, right? And again, to the clarity of the game. Um, the the game is very well written the rules are are for the most part very clear it's strange to say this about a games workshop that game that the rules are pretty unambiguous um that's not to say that it's without problems like uh and you know i want to point out some some gripes that i have and like one gripe that i have is that the terrain in the main terrain set is like 2.87 inches tall and all the special rules that models have uh that and and things for engagement talk about making vertical moves of three inches or more so yeah like right off the bat you just have to be like look this train is three inches high okay can we just call it three inches can we just round it up um and i hate that i I wish they had just made the train in three inches it's so frustrating um and I, i don't love that that's the thing that i'm i'm already just like come on um but you know that that's a small gripe, um, and I, I think if I, you know I'm, I'm having a hard time honestly thinking of other gripes because of the fact that the game plays so fast. It just does not outweigh its welcome or uh, out out uh, sorry outstay its welcome. It uh, it plays in exactly the right amount of time. And the other thing is that what it doesn't have, Paul, is that problem that Kill Team has where all of the skirmishes around the board feel inconsequential except for maybe one shooting situation with two units. Do you know what I mean? Right. Right, which is one of my biggest issues with that game. Like, it can feel like you're just going through the motions. This game does not feel like that. And I I thought, before I played the game, I thought the fact that you just rolled dice and applied damage was going to be super feel-badsy. You know what I mean? Like, I thought... 
I thought that was going to be terrible and I was not looking forward to it. Uh, but it turns out it was a stroke of absolute brilliance because of the fact that the, the way dice roll, right? Sometimes they're hot, sometimes they're cold. And I found that more often than not, because of the fact that most units are hitting each other on uh, either a 50-50 or a two out of six chance, that very often you do less damage than you would expect to do, not more, right? And even when you're on, even when you're on the average, it's not enough to kill anything. Like most, most models on the average dice can't kill a model in one shot by mathing. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get hot dice. And, and there are a lot of models where one dice being hot and the Rex being average uh, will kill a model. But I think it's, it's designed on just the right curve and the models have just enough hit points that you're never like, oh, come on. Now, that, that, you know, again, that's not to say it's not swinging. Like, I've definitely had an activation where I start. And, and a lot of that also is because you generally have to move to get into position and then attack. Right. And because you have to move into position, you don't, especially if you're the aggressor, necessarily have the ability to do a pile of damage when you first get into somebody. Um, and even on the turns where you can, say, do 20 damage, um, it's usually only on models that have three defense, which are the lower models that you're hitting at a higher probability. And honestly, if you leave your scrubs so that your opponent's boss can come into them and just like murder face right. them, that was a bad play on your part. Uh, but in general, you know, you're doing it, you're doing like a, a sixth or a quarter or half of somebody's health in an activation, not one-shotting. And again, you are, you will one-shot kill models. This is, a, this is a chaos skirmish game, right? You will one-shot kill guys. But in the, I think, five games of Warcry that I've played, I have never been in a position where I got tabled. Not once. And not once was I even close. Like, I don't think I've ever been lower than four models. You know, starting with 9, 10, 11, 12. I think I've always had a third of my models after three, four, five, or six rounds. Um, so it's not as killy uh, as you initially think, but it feels killy. And I think that, again, is another one of those things that is sort of a because of the way math works and because of the way probability works, you know, your brain doesn't, doesn't necessarily anticipate that, but it still feels good. Like it feels deadly enough without being so deadly that you're like, Oh my God, like I never had a chance. My models just got wiped off the table. And again, right. I think that's a huge strength. Yeah, no, me. that's a, that's a, that's actually surprising because I would not have, have thought that initially. No, me either. It actually shocked me. It shocked me how survivable the game was. I was like, oh, hey, you know, this game, while it can be killy, like, you know, an example is uh, in one of my games, my opponent pulled a pretty beefy guy in front of me, not really considering what I was going to do with my quad on the, like, well, he, it wasn't that he didn't consider. It was that the next turn I rolled a quad. Um, and then that quad allowed me to uh, add one to my attacks value, which is another dice and one to my strength value, which went, which made me go from hitting on fours to hitting on threes. 
And then when I rolled my six dice, three of them came up crits and my crits were six damage a piece. Right. So like it was lucky that I rolled the quad. It was lucky, lucky that I rolled the 18 damage on three of my dice. But like that's what happens. Right. But but if you think about it, when you roll six dice, how likely is it that you're going to roll three sixes? It's much more likely that you're going to roll some series of, you know, three ones, twos or threes and three, four, fives and six. So, you know, the average weight on that amount of dice isn't even close to 18 damage. It's it's more realistically six, seven, eight, which most models can take eight wounds. Only the, the scrubbiest scrubs have eight. Most most small models have ten. Um, and even then, again, I, like I said, if you leave your scrub open to have six dice hitting on threes, you did something wrong or you knew you were sacrificing that model mm-hmm. to make your opponent waste no, time. No, that seems to make sense. Um, and again... Yeah, and again, that's the that's the brilliance of the game. Is it you know it gives you those like pawns, and it also gives you the more high value mo- Right, which is good. I mean, that's a that's a good variety. Um, so let me ask you this: Are, are points wise, do you yeah. foresee like more models for different gangs yep. coming out, or do you think um, bigger games will happen, or or, or what? What do you th- what do you think the the future is for that? So this is wild speculation, right? And I I don't want to speculate too much on yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm asking for. Yeah, and is somewhat wild. And speculation. here here's what I would want. And and I think uh, so. GW doesn't have a good track record of impressing me with post release rules decisions. <laughs> I feel like they've released a lot right. of good feeling games. It is yep. GW. And then they've added rules that were like, come on, guys. Like, I'm not going to play with those rules. They're terrible. Um, so I feel like a 1,000 points is actually not going to change. I mean, it could, right? Like, Kill Team went up when Elites came out and when Leaders came out. But a 1,000 points, uh, for, for one, when you buy a crew box, uh, in general, you have somewhere between 950 and 1,000 points, depending on how you build your box. And, like, that actually, anything from 950 to 1,000 feels really balanced. Like, the crews feel really balanced when you, or warbands or whatever, feels really balanced when you're between 950 and 1,000. Um, and I think that the points levels also populate the board properly. Like... I never feel like there's wasted okay. board space with with be, and, and this is between what I've seen is between six at the very, very highest end. And that's like Stormcast Eternals bring like six models to the highest end of the other extreme, which is the Flesh Eater Courts, which can easily bring 12 units. Um, and that. Right. Yeah, right. and and that many models on the and also to, to, to note that the actual war the actual Warcry warbands I think it's between eight and ten so eight nine or ten are like the the three model counts you're going to see with the most frequency, um, and and that specific density of units on the board feels good, um, so I think if they were going to bring in a higher points value, they would have to bring in bigger units. And they might do that, right? They might bring in because the, the high. I think the highest points value that I've seen is like three hundred or three twenty, um, like the the joy the joy or the blissful one, like the big boss for the unmade is three hundred points because it's an absolute murder fucking blender. Um, 
but like that's the that's the high end and the low end is like uh 50 points right or 55 right um and and those again i think it feels good so the speculation for where i think the game would actually go is just introducing more choice into list building and because you get a thousand points in a box like my sort of behind the scenes feeling is like you know what if they were smart if games workshop was smart and they thought about this like by looking at other skirmish games on the market like say guild ball uh, when you buy a team of guild ball players you get exactly what you need to play the game right you get six players that includes a mm-hmm. captain and a mascot. And I think if Games Workshop was smart, what they would do is they would they would do something similar with this game and that they would keep it at 1,000 points. But what they would do is they would release more $50 boxes that have right around that 1,000-point mark so that, like, a, say, a second box of Iron Golem come out. Now I can buy that second box, and if I don't have the first set, the starter set, I can play this set all by itself. I don't need to buy any other models. It's a thousand points right off the bat. And it's got all different models that are in the first kit or, uh, or in addition, if I wanted to expand, I could buy the first set of iron golem. And that's also a thousand points, but now I can mix and match from those two war bands. And then those two war bands are going to have different symbols so that you have a variety, a bigger variety of special abilities. And if in, in, like in, okay. in my like perfect world, that's what they would do. They would expand this game by just introducing more units. Um, and in most of the factions in the game, in AOS, they've allowed themselves to do that. I mean, especially with like uh, Stormcast. Maybe not with all the other factions. They pretty well uh, defined all of the models, which is why I don't think that the points value increased. Because like when you look at like Iron Jaws or Ideneth or Daughters of Cain, they've pretty well used all the standard mm-hmm. troop choices. Um, so, you know, it's either go right. bigger for more points and increase the point, which I don't know really works for the game that well. It's not, it's not a benefit of, to the game as this like small game that takes up, you know, a foot and a half by two feet on your kitchen table. Or the other way they go is they just introduce more variety to the chaos warbands. And I think that's the way that they go. Right. Okay. See, and, and I was wondering, you know, since it's point based, could you say mix and match to war bands you know what i mean like if i got two of the the cryptic yep. type guys the the yep. conehead uh um you know and and could i could i pick up two boxes of those and say just run oh yes all of the most powerful so, okay guys? no so the stipulation is that there's one symbol in particular it's an eight-pointed star because it's chaos right uh, that's the leader symbol. And you can only have one model with that that symbol. And all of the special abilities in the game, all of the best special abilities, be them doubles, triples, or quads, are tied to that symbol. And only the leader can use them, and you can only take one. They designed it really smartly in that way. But that... that Right, but I mean, I but but people that aren't the leader, though, right? Couldn't I take them and sure go yeah, and, so, and double up, or absolutely, triple up or absolutely, up yeah, or yeah. Whatever? So uh, an example, um, and forgive me here, I'm going to actually grab a couple cards. So, like an example could be the Iron Golem, right? So if we're looking at the Iron Golem because we've been talking about him, they have a model called the Ogor Breacher. You know this model? It's the guy that's got the giant spiky ball mace and then the gi- giant hammer hand. That guy's uh-huh. 235 points. Um, 
He's got 30 wounds and five defense. So he's just like a just meat tank, man. Five defense in this game. It right. means if you want to hit this guy on 50-50 odds, you need five strength. And not many models have five strength. Like almost none. Which is right. fair. Right, right, right. Um, and he's got 30 wounds. So it's hard to hit him. And he's also just a wall of hit points. Now, there's nothing telling you that you couldn't buy two boxes and take two of these guys. But remember, I said it's 235 points. So if you want to throw right, I mean, that's half 470 of, of your points into two of these guys, man, be my guest. Because if it turns out that we're playing Assassination, all I'm going to do is throw my scrubs into these Ogre Breachers who can move four inches on a movement. And I'm going to throw my shittiest guys into them to slow them down. And I'm going to keep my leader at arm's length from this model for the entire game. Right. Um, because you've only got two of them and it's, it's two of them at the cost of being able to bring your 50 or your, I think it's 80 point models are the smaller models in this. Yeah. Your 80, 65, 70 point models that, you know, can still get around the board and can still do things. So you're, I mean, if you think about it, like 70 points, man, that's five guys. <laughs> like, like, right. uh, it, it, it can really inhibits you, um, so, or not five. It's actually three. But still, like... Well, can you can you go the other way, though, and conceivably just, like, spam shitty guys? So I, I think that there there is a concern of activation control in the game. Um, right. And I think, honestly, I think that the random deployment uh, and random victory really make a big difference in in how much activation control helps you because if you take activation control, another very clever way that this game has been designed is that most models that you can use to out activate your opponent have three strength. And I don't mean, I guess not most, all of them, all of them have three strength and the average defense in this game is four. So that means that the, Fives to hit. hit. So you're not doing a lot with those models. And since every model can disengage, they can take a disengage mod, unless you take enough models to use like pure positioning to like pin models to terrain, you can still maneuver out and get to the objectives you need to get to. Um, And the other thing is that those models typically have lower hit points. The only exception to that is the Iron Golem, and they pay for them because they're models that have five defense but are the scrubby guys are still 80 points. So, you know, you, you bet you get one and a half to two scrubs in most other crews for the, the cost of having a little more defense. Um, but even then, like, because they're not hitting hard back and they only have two attacks, like I could come in with say a joyous one or a blissful one with the unmade and just drill these guys. Because there are there are special abilities like there are triples in the game and a lot of the factions have access to a triple that says when you use this, use the value on the triple, which is to say like the number on the dice. So if you have three fives, for example, do do the number on the dice to every model within three inches of this model. So if you group up on an objective, I'm just going to come in with that guy and blender the shit out of them. Do you know what I mean? Like I'll do four, five, six damage to as many of those guys as I can and then focus them down. And, you know, so if even if you have four or five guys, it's at your peril because with a couple units, I can come in and just wipe them off. 
Right. No, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, and again, like again, that. because you don't know where you're, again, you don't know where your models are, right? You don't know where they're going to be when you crew build. Like, so when you say, this is my thousand points, you don't know how they're going to have to end up on the board. Um, and you don't know, you don't okay. know what they're going to have to do. So yeah, if you bring that strength of guys and it's like control these objectives. Yeah. For the first couple rounds of the game, you might, uh, you might end up controlling some objectives, but you might also be dumb and you might've made a group of your guys, like five of them come on on turn three. So I don't, I, you know, I can just murder the rest of your guys while you're waiting for your reinforcements. Um, and, you know, that can work the opposite way out of your favor, too. But the point that I'm trying to make is that that, that you can't rely on uh, on activation control at all. How many rounds is the game? Uh, that depends. Um, some scenarios, the, the shortest is three. Um, the most, I think, is five. But most of them are three or four. Uh, and then if the that's it, scenario dependent, it is scenario dependent. Every, every scenario has a different uh, length uh, for when the, when the end condition is. And then most of them, if a thing is tied, they talk about like, there's basically increasing stakes that, that it, I think I can, I would foresee that the most rounds the game would go is six. Okay. Um, and I think around, um, I, you know, I, I would say it's like 30 seconds to a minute per turn, if that. Um, so, you know, your average round is like 10 minutes. So even a six round game, if you're playing quickly is over in an hour. Hmm. So, um, have you taught anybody not war gamer oriented this game? Yet? I have. How'd that go? Very well. Um, 15 minutes in, um, a couple questions while we were playing. Uh, the second game beat the piss out of me. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. Right. Um, so, I, you know, it's, it's not a game that's hard for non-war gamers to pick up. Um, and as a matter of fact, if I can, you know, zero in on a non-totally scary appearance warband, I'm going to teach the eight-year-old uh, the game as well, because I think hmm. that she'll take to it uh, almost immediately based on how well she's taken to other games that we've played. Like I, I've taught her, for example, first strike, we played the Warhammer 40 K first strike box and she was totally into it within like 15 to 20 minutes. And this game is way less complicated than 40 K. Like, it's not like, did you hit me? Did you wound me? Now I get to save. Like there's none of that, right? The hardest thing to explain is the initiative role. And once you're past the initiative role, it's super smooth sailing. And it's like all symbols, Paul, like most, you know, there, there's one card with, language on it and that's your special abilities and outside of that everything everything is communicated to you through symbols um which is you know a lot of symbols for the first five minutes as you're looking at it but as soon as you're like oh this is my defense this is my speed this is my number of wounds these are symbols that indicate which special moves i can take and these are symbols that indicate what kind of weapon i'm swinging um and as soon as you understand that it's very intuitive Right. Right. Which is, which is good. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're using it to show people who are not war gamers, war games. Um, I think if it, if it does that, I mean, that's, that's, 
that's a good thing for the game. So this this so if if I can get a good way to transport this terrain without damaging it, this will be this this game will live in my car wherever I am. Do you know what I mean? Like, am okay. I going to uh, a cabin to hang out with some friends in the summer? I'm bringing this game so that after we're doing whatever we're going to do in the woods or on the lake, we can play some War Cry while we unwind and drink beer. Right. Am I going to work? Yeah. Then I'll find one of my six coworkers that's interested in my weird miniature painting hobby and <laughs> wants to see what it's about because multiple of them have asked me. They've been like, you got to bring one of these in so you can show me. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot of work, like setting up terrain, teaching you rules. Like it's hard to do on a lunch break. Uh, not so here. <laughs> like uh, I could come in early. I could set the game up in the lunch area and then during lunch i could bring someone and teach this game like very easily right right and then before you know it you have a club going a lunchtime war cry club yeah exactly and all people have to do is bring their war bands because i'm an ass i'm an idiot right and i'm gonna buy multiple sets of the terrain and maybe i'll have a train set that i can just leave at work right stash it under the desk exactly um, and it, and it, because it lends itself so easy to like quick setup, quick tear down, like you don't need to worry. Like there's none of the headaches. Like you're not like, is this terrain placement good? Like you just flip a card and then it's paint by numbers. Right. Um, so it's very simple. Have you, so let me, let me, let me ask you this. This is, uh, going back to one of the complaints that Gorilla Miniatures had. Um, have you found that it's hard to match the terrain or even build the terrain properly so i would have had i not heard that complaint (laughs) so had i just so okay yeah we we've we've dialed in on another major complaint i have about the game and all all of it has to do with the terrain like the terrain height god damn it that's such i don't know why it bothers me so much that the rules say three inches and the terrain is 2.8 inches it just Like, and I think the reason it pisses me off is because I never want to play this game in a tournament setting. Cause I don't want to be the guy that's like, I don't want to play the guy that's like, well, actually it's only 2.87 <laughs> inches high. So you can't do that. You know, I, I never, ever in my life, because I will throw the table at that person. Like, because it's like, can we just agree it's three inches? Do you know what I mean? I never want to come across that. Um, and that right. pisses me off and back onto your question after I meandered way the hell off of it. That was um, point. Uh, yeah, the the terrain itself, um, there's no instructions in the box as to how you should build it so that you can use the deployment cards. Like literally the instructions in the box say, build this however it pleases you aesthetically. And then you're looking to the cards like, oh, wrong. You can't do that. If you want to be able to use these deployment cards, you literally have to build the terrain into these very exact shapes. Um, but there is a uh, very, very cool English gentleman who runs a channel called Blackjack Legacy. Uh, and Blackjack Legacy has a very, very handy video where it does a 360 of each piece and lists every piece as it appears on the frame. So it's like, you know, Ruin A uses A1, A2, B4, B6, C2, C4. So you clip those pieces off and then you watch the video to three, see how it looks in 360 and then build the piece. Um, and because I had access to those videos, man, it was like super easy. Like I just, I, I wish GW would just pay him uh, to, for making that video because it should have just been a link in the box. Like follow this link to see 360 photos of how this train is supposed to be and exactly what pieces you need to build it. 
Right. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, because that was, that was one of the things that I was concerned about, too, was just being able to uh, build all that right because it is so essential to the gameplay and you know, being able to set everything up right. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't build it right, you can't do it. Um, and I, I think it's going to be less of a concern with some of the other terrain. Like if I was to buy the corpse rack mausoleum, because like it just uses it in, you know, you just have to look at the pictures, right? Like they don't, it's not like uh, modular terrain, right? The buildings are the buildings, the fences are the fences. They go together specific ways. Like this terrain that comes in the box, dude, you can build all sorts of stuff with it. Like it, it is like when they say it's modular, they're not kidding. Like you can make a ton of variety of shapes. Like if you wanted to buy this train and use it for age of Sigmar or Malifaux or whatever, and just make some like cool ruins, you can build it any which way you want. And it has really, really cool variety and way. It's just, I mean, just like the kill team terrain, it has really awesome ways you can build it, but you can't do that if you want to play Warcry, because <laughs> you need the, you need the exact configurations. Any closing thoughts on Warcry? I think, I mean, mostly I'm interested to hear if you're more uh, more apt to at least get a demo and try the game. Um, and then my closing thought is that I think that for most war gamers who play heavy skirmish games, don't overlook this game as a game you can play with your significant others or your kids. And certainly don't look at, don't look over that you, someone, especially if you're like a multidisciplined person that does, you know, maybe your main group of friends plays board games and they don't play miniatures games and you go out and have a separate group of friends for miniature games. This is like exactly my situation. You can use this game to play it with your board gaming friends because your board gaming friends will understand this game and they will like it. Well, that sounds important, honestly. Um, And as far as your first question, yeah, I I am interested in giving it a go. Um, And actually what I'd like to do is play a couple rounds. That's what I would say, because you want to get a sense for the variety that the cards give you, especially if you end up playing a scenario where the cards don't go your way the first time. Um, I, I would say give it two to three plays. And again, the game doesn't outstay its welcome. So, and even in the games where the, the objectives don't go your way, just try to make the best of it. Uh, and I think you'll have a good time, but that's it. That's my final thoughts. Try Warcry. It's fun. Uh, so I'll just, uh, finish out by, um, thanking our patrons. If you would like to support the show, you can go to Patreon slash three men in a war game. Also, we have a, uh, merch shop now, which we will link in the description for the show possibly. Um, uh, also join our discord channel. The discord link will almost certainly be in the description for the show and you should join the discord. We get a couple members every week and it is a very vibrant, uh, community where we talk about all sorts of varieties of war games, as well as RPGs, video games, and, uh, tabletop board games. In addition to having many, many channels for separate war games. Uh, outside of that, I'd like to thank Static as a City for our excellent intro and outro music. Uh, and I think that about covers it. So that sounds about right. Until next time, guys. Bye.
feels um, like I think it, it, if you were you, – okay, every Warband box – oh, I'm going to stop. Sorry. I'll restart in a second. Dogs, shut up. Oh, my God. It's not that important. It's a fucking kid riding a bike.